welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Welcome back to Coach Soul. I'm Steve Hudgens, and today is my co-host, Keith Brown. I believe that Keith has a lot of great insight into life and what he has dealt with, that it's an honor and privilege to have him and name him as my co-host of Coach Soul. Keith, thank you very much for being the co-host, and welcome back. How's your week been? Uh, It's been up and down. I had my best day uh, in a couple of years on Friday, and I had my worst day in a couple of years on Saturday. Must have overdid it on Friday. It's like a roller coaster ride. You never know the twists, the turns, the ups and downs unless you ride it. Talk to me about what's going on as far as this roller coaster ride. That let's do the positive first. Oh, that's awesome. That's what I was thinking. So this Friday was a really great day. I'm 63 years old got multiple issues from chemical exposure and PTSD in the Marine Corps. Um, And at 63, there's been a lot of life lived. But uh, yeah, I just had a a really great day. Um, On Friday, I felt like I was 24 or something, all excited and probably over, over did it, got a little overzealous going for a a little walk or, you know, trying to exercise. I was uh, able to drive my Jeep, met with some people, probably overdid it. And then Saturday I got up in the morning and it was like crash. I was having my seizures all day through Sunday about noon, which is exhausting. And that typically happens. Psychologically speaking, I'm thinking, yay, I'm back and I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm going back to work. And I'm all excited. I want to get out there and be in the community and meeting people and blessing people and be blessed by their presence. And Sunday afternoon with all, you know, talking to a couple of friends and my family, it's like, dad, you're, you're never going back to work full time, even though you really want to. And so I'm left asking a question, Steve, and maybe this is uh, maybe a good time to ask it and throw it out at you is a couple of things is I find it challenging uh, to always keep that positive attitude and a smile on my face and be a blessing for people when I myself feel like I'm struggling so bad that, you know, there's been times when I've just thought about, you know, I don't want to be here anymore with all of these uh, issues that I have to deal with from the military. But my goal is to be positive. How do you share struggles that are deeply personal and deeply emotional that other people are involved in because maybe you were abused or you were hurt or injured or taken advantage of. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that are struggling and they need someone to connect with. And so there's a part I'm desire to go and do that. Another thing, the other question is, how can I best keep a positive spirit and a smile on my face despite the challenges? Because I think so many people are hurting, but they need to see somebody who is pushing through and realizing a little emotional, spiritual victory, despite the physical circumstances. You know, Keith, that's a, an interesting question that you bring up because back in the day, therapy is a taboo. You're crazy for going to see a therapist. You're crazy for talking about your problems. And if we think about it therapeutically, Uh, Dr. Shapiro, back in the 1980s, found that EMDR was successful on treating soldiers who have PTSD. There's a book out there, The Body Keeps Score. And it's interesting. Right. Your body is keeping a score. 
of traumatic events. For example, I have anxiety, did have anxiety. It's not as bad as it used to be because I did EMDR. When you think about EMDR, it's a process and therapy that helps you to understand the processes of what you've been through. It pulls all the memories, the feelings, and the, and the sensation all back together. EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. It's an activated REM, you know, it's not the music group, it's the rapid eye movement that we have at, at night when right. we dream, we're processing. It's like we ever seen people in our dreams we never thought about seeing. It's because it's that Walmart person that you saw that made an impression and didn't get to uh, process at that moment. So when you think about what are some things that we need to talk about that we hold on the inside, I've had several patients this week talk to me about, I want to go talk to my dad. And he talked about that this, he's on sobriety. He gets a break, comes home, gets to see him this weekend. And one of the things that we process is that his dad was hurting since the age of 15 by his alcoholic father. And it says sometimes trauma can, depending on the age, how it impacts us. So dad's making 15-year-old impulsive decisions to numb his pain or to escape. So if we don't talk about how we're feeling, the events that happen, our initial response can be wanting drugs, alcohol, anything that's self-sabotaging to numb the pain. And I never thought about anxiety that can cause Crohn's disease. Bowel syndrome. <laughs> yeah, irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease. These things are affected by anxiety. When I had EMDR done on me, I was able to process several events. The event was back in 96, driving a Mustang stick shift, and a car clipped me. I did a 360. My car stalls out at 4.30 rush hour of traffic. Mm never processed it because I had to bust a move to capture the person who left the scene. The next episode that I remember was in high school. My girlfriend was killed in a head-on collision. Mm, yes. And the very next day, as I'm walking towards work, I see this car coming around hitting a telephone pole and I see her face crashing right through the windshield. And then towards the end of EMDR, I realized that a lot of my driving anxieties stem from growing up when dad would get irritated by other drivers, whether it was truck drivers, he would slam on the brake, he would swerve in and out. I, I get it. But when you're a child, that impacts you. And so we have the tendency, either we don't process, have the time to process, or we just block it out because we don't have time to deal with it. 
you're a minister. And when you think about that passage in James, it talks about confess your sins. I don't like sins. I like the term humanity. It's the pain that's been given to us. It's the pain we've experienced. And we just talk about it. So does that kind of answer your question, Keith? I mean, I think it helps. One of the things that I find beneficial after I have to work past my fear of opening up and letting people in, um, that, that may or may not make sense to some folks, but uh, either I'm going to carry these things around inside me forever or I'm going to say to myself, I'm tired of the hurting. I'm tired of the high blood pressure. I'm tired of the physical ailments. I'm tired of a body that one day feels okay. The next day just feels really bad. And one of the things that I discover that helps is being able to verbally say that somebody hurt me not, I'm not necessarily judging them, not condemning them. I'm just verbalizing the fact that somebody has hurt me and say what, what they did without the judgment. I might feel a little frustration. I might cry some tears, but there's a sense where I need to let that out in, on, in an honorable and a respectful manner. So what I'm saying is I don't think when we share that it means I get to come off the hinges, but that I can still express with a measure of control, but still experiencing some feelings, but measure of control that shows honor and dignity and respect for the situation, for all the parties involved, including myself. And verbalizing it helps me. It helps it get out of me. And being able to find somebody that can have the patience to listen and so I think therapists are actually paid for that because we don't have people in the community that are, we're not used to doing that. It's not a part of our culture. You started off by saying, hey, you're going to go see the shrink. That's an unhealthy thing or a crazy thing to do. The reality is I think it's a good thing to do. And we need to go to see the shrink, if you want to say that, quote unquote. The counselors are going to be giving us a fair listen and uh, they're going to be a, a bouncing board and offer some shepherding if you will some guidance about how to move through some difficult times in our lives so and i know you do that for people you and i have talked back and forth you from the counselor point of view myself from the ministerial point of view and there's a really great place where we can serve each other and serve our clients and our parishioners together and we're a blessing to each other i think personally and professionally i appreciate your spirit the whole purpose of having coached soul is to bring to light that therapy is okay. And to bring to light that talking and getting it out serves a purpose. As long as people are willing to come to therapy and realize that I have to do the work that the listener is there to guide me and to help realize what my maladaptive thinking is going to be. Maladaptive thinking is stinking thinking, like I'm not enough, I'm worthless, I can't, I won't. 
this is what's been done to me. And they describe the pain. Therapists should be able to help guide, be able to draw out positive ways of dealing with what's happening. Mm-hmm. For me, MDR helped. And when we're communicating, I think you bring up an interesting point. People don't want to talk about their hurt because either A, I'm all alone. This ain't happening to anybody else. Or we have that judgment. Well, it's just you. You're having this problem, not me. But when we go to therapy, we recognize something just doesn't feel right. So talking and releasing a lot of this helps. And COVID has impacted the community. And during some research for my doctoral class, I realized there's one therapist per 6,000 in our population. And that was back in 2019. Those are staggering numbers. They, They are. And you think that the medical community has been hit. Media says, well, there's a shortage of beds because of COVID impact. What they fail to report, because I have three different resources that are friends that work in the medical community, is that nurses have quit because of COVID, have quit because of vaccine mandates. And the reason why some of the hospitals are over inundated in an emergency room is because they lack the staffing upstairs to have availability of beds available to them. Yeah, that's that's correct. And from a ministerial point of view, let's say if I'm a if I'm a pastor or a minister of a church of about 100 people, there's roughly going to be about 80 people who are coming out of something traumatic. They're getting ready to go into something traumatic, or they're right smack dab in the middle of something traumatic. And only 20 out of 100 are in a really good spot. So that tells me there's a lot of people around us that are hurting. And those, those numbers are pre-COVID numbers. You know, post-COVID or during COVID, post-COVID, those numbers are up, I'm sure. So there's a, there's a great need for people to have not only the, the medical resources for the body, but the, the spiritual, the emotional, um, psychological resources for the mind, the heart, the spirit, and definitely a shortage of help there as well. Do you think that when you mentioned about judgment, people don't want to talk because of judgment? In, in my opinion, Christianity has not helped in, in that motive of being judged. There are several places that, that I've been to that I felt judged. One is from my own view because I was hurt and they were trying to operate from a level of peace, understanding, help. But most of the time when we meet people who are in the Christianity world, it stems from judgment. What, what are your thoughts on that? So I've seen myself a tremendous amount of harm from the church being judging towards one another in the membership and also the church excluding when a church gets to a certain size if it doesn't have the right kind of leadership it excludes new members from coming in and there's a judgment there is we don't want somebody that's we don't somebody has maybe this social background or this racial background or has these emotional problems 
um, these spiritual problems. Part of that might be because we haven't trained ourselves as the church on how to effectively deal with the many different kinds of ailments that fall upon human beings. We take other avenues that are not healthy, and one of those unhealthy avenues is we pass judgment, and we say that we want to keep away. I think, you know, we want to keep our distance from some of the people of the world is what we say. God never intended for us to be out of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. So we still need to interact with people who are in the world. We just need to do it from a different vantage point where we have the strength of God working within us. But a lot of times our intimacy with each other and with God on a, on a spiritual plane, our intimacy on a spiritual plane is less than it should be. So we don't have healthy relationships with God. If we don't have a healthy relationship with God, we're not going to have a healthy relationship with ourselves. If we're not going to have a healthy relationship with ourselves, we can't have a healthy relationship with our wife, our husband, our children, our mothers, fathers. And certainly that goes to the workplace and to others in the community. And so we see ourselves acting in a judgmental manner. And when you act in a judgmental manner towards yourself or towards others, something harsh is going to come out. That judgment will be exercised in a manner that is non-productive. But if we come from the point of view where God is trying to teach us to come from is a place of grace and mercy, patience and kindness where we can listen to each other. The judgment dissipates and the love of Christ comes in. What's interesting is Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength, which involves the whole body, the whole, your entire being. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. So that's everything that you are. Why? Because that's the healthy way to live. The second thing is, and we miss this, we miss this so often, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Before we can ever really truly learn how to love our neighbor, we're going to have to learn how to love ourselves. And sometimes we need some help from either a counselor or a pastor to learn how to love ourselves. I have to agree with that. Because in my own personal experience, you, you grow up into a church, things like, you know, I don't want to go into details of my past, but my view of God was harsh, critical, judgmental. I'm doomed. There wasn't much grace. And it took me several years to get healed from my past and realize that it's okay to be funny. It's okay to be goofy. And we grew up in this mentality where kids are to be seen, not heard. I and remember that, those. <laughs> do what? I remember those days. Right. And how much did that impact us and how we viewed our culture, our society, our environment? And then we look at ourselves and how much we judged ourselves, and we become so hypercritical. I'm not enough. No, that, I, that's ex that's exactly right. The first place that you exercise judgment when you're being, you know, to be seen but not heard, the first place that you exercise judgment is against yourself, and that is, well, I'm gonna, that's very damning. It's very destructive. 
you know, sometimes I'll say something. People say, well, hey, Brother Keith, you know, you're a preacher and you just said that's very damning. Um, I'm like, well, that's what it is. And because we don't want to face face it and call it that, that allows it to have a renewed sense of life. We give it a pass. When we don't call something like it is, then we grant it license to live another day. It's only when we have the courage to speak the truth in love. And speaking the truth in love to others and speaking the truth in love to ourselves is not an easy task. But if we do it with honor and dignity and respect, it's the place where love begins. And so sometimes in love, we need to tell ourselves or even share with each other difficult things so that we can go through healing. Just if you broke your leg, you know, and you go to the emergency room, your leg is already hurting. You don't, you don't want the doctor to touch it. If you don't have the doctor touch your leg, he's gonna pull the muscles. They're all swollen and they're all tense and they're all messed up and the bones are in the wrong place. And you can feel them as like, you can almost hear the grinding of the bones as he's realigning everything. And, and you're getting stretched and you, you want to, you, someone, sometimes you put a stick in your mouth and you're screaming, screaming and moaning and you're like, don't do it, don't do it. But the only way to get healed is to go through the challenging part of the healing process. And after that bone is reset and they put the cast on, you get to go home. You still don't feel 100%, but you are on your way to healing when you go home. Sometimes we need to go see the pastor. Sometimes we need to go see the counselor. Sometimes we need to go see a good friend who's going to speak the truth to us in love and guide us and shepherd us so that at the end of that hour, at the end of that time or a couple of times together, you get to go home and realize, yes, it hurts, but I'm on the road to recovery. And it takes courage and conviction to claim our rightful place in that healing process. But we have to move from being afraid into a place of courageousness, knowing that the person who is guiding us and shepherding us loves us and cares about us. So I would say one of the things, make sure you get a good counselor. Make sure you get a good pastor or shepherd or friend. Don't just go to anybody, but go to someone you can trust. Yeah, you know, one of the things I always say, Keith, is therapists is like shoes. You got to try them on to get the right fit. So therapists and ministers, they do take time to build trust because we have been hurt in the past by what's happened. And you talked about masking. Well, I feel good on the outside, but on the inside, I feel really pathetic. And I don't know what to do. There's no consistency of my behavior here. And to wrap up this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, Robin Williams, great actor, great comedian. Right. On the outside, he was funny. I enjoyed watching him entertaining us. I think my most favorite movie is Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> because yeah, it just shows one. the complexities of life. Right. And what men and women go through in a divorce situation what kids go through and men are willing to do what they want to do to fight for being with their kids because I, I did. And they got into an environment where like he was because there was unresolved anger between the two. 
But what I really want to focus on, Robin Williams was fighting depression. And sometimes we don't have the courage or the words to express what's really going on the inside. Keith, I know you have a lot more to your story. Let's do another podcast to talk about something you never told before and what you're dealing with so that we can talk here live podcast with our listeners in regards to how are you dealing with this internal strife and how do you feel afterwards? What do you think? Sounds good, Steve. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us at Coach Soul. We hope to see you next week. So be kind and be safe.